Hello and welcome to the Invest Smarter YouTube channel. Today we've got a really great topic for you. So one of the most counterintuitive groups of stocks that have outperformed the market for at least 90 years so far is low volatility stocks. And this is really, really, really interesting and there could be some opportunity. Welcome to the Invest Smarter Podcast, where we'll simplify investing and provide actionable ideas to help you navigate the markets and own your future. From retirement planning strategies in plain English to timeless investing wisdom, we'll cut through the noise and leave you a smarter investor by the end of every show. All content within the podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decision making. So for this video, I'll be leaning on some data from BMO, and everything I talk about in this video is for informational, educational purposes only. It's not meant to be investment advice in any way whatsoever. So there is this thing called the low volatility anomaly. And what it means is that a portfolio of low volatility stocks will outperform the market. More returns for less risk. And this is literally a thing that's been going on for years and years and years. Between 1970 and 2011, the lowest quintile of stocks ranked by volatility did over 12% annually, while the highest quintile, so the most volatile, did less than 6%. Just look at the chart. And the same story goes for sharp ratios, which is risk-adjusted return, which really makes it even better. It, now, it goes against some conventional wisdom. There's this thing called the capital asset pricing model. And what this says is that, and it's pretty widely accepted, the expected return for your stock is equal to the risk-free rate, which could be the 10-year treasury bond yield, plus the beta of the stock, which is the stock's sensitivity to the market, times the expected return of the market minus the risk-free rate. So the big variable there is the beta. That determines your expected return in the capital asset pricing model. The higher the beta, the higher the expected return. And the beta essentially is how a stock moves with the market. So a beta of one is a stock that moves directly in line with the market. So for instance, if let's say Apple had a beta of one, that means that on a day that the stock market went up 2%, you would expect Apple to have gone up 2%. A stock with a beta of 1.1 will be 10% more volatile than the market or go up 10% more than the market over the given time span. And a beta of 0.9, for instance, will be 10% less volatile than the market. So basically... Theoretically, the more beta, the more expected return. As a side note, you'll actually see that some of the biggest stocks in the market have higher than one betas. And this is because as a stock becomes humongous, like Apple or Amazon, they kind of, in a sense, become the market. So a big, huge move in Amazon or Apple can actually move the entire market and make a day of the market really great or really bad for some people. And it could be based on just a few stocks. So, for example, if Apple goes up 5% in a day and it contributes to the market going up 2%, then you would see that Apple is moving at a larger magnitude than the market. So it's going to, and if that trend continues, it's going to have a higher beta than one. Now, there is another side note to this. Just because a stock is really volatile doesn't mean that it's high beta. For instance, Amazon, when it was a smaller company, used to be a low beta stock when it was smaller. Like in 2010, it had a beta of 0.7 for a period. And this is because its day-to-day -day return was much more related to idiosyncratic factors as opposed to the broad market's general feelings. And then just also for another side note, as long as their movement relative to each other is offset sufficiently, the portfolio itself may be boring and be considered low volatility. 
So let's get to the crux of the issue here. Why has investing in low volatility, boring stocks, or stocks with beta less than one, meaning the expected return should theoretically be less than the market's return, be outperforming the market? It just goes against a widely accepted model. I mean, why is this happening? Why is that model widely accepted if this is happening? So maybe the problem is that theoretical and mathematical models are just not always good at explaining the intricate realities of human behavior and human life. So let's think about some reasons why this anomaly is present in the real world. And one of the reasons, according to the Bank of Montreal, is just that human behavior. Yeah, we think we are rational and Economics 101 says consumers act rationally, but maybe what we are really good at is just rationalizing our decisions. So according to the Bank of Montreal, or BMO for short, they say researchers have extensively documented cognitive errors made by investors. The errors are predictable because they are rooted in psychological traits that are common to most human beings. Among these are overreaction, overconfidence, optimism, and anchoring, and also pathological loss aversion. So how can these traits make it theoretically possible that low volatility stocks do better over time? So what is overreacting? That's investors overreacting to good or bad news and can cause a stock to get overbought or oversold until it settles back to some happy medium. A stock may overreact to good news for a long time as well. And investors that get in during this period will set themselves up for a wild and most likely disappointing ride. Then there's the overconfidence where you really just believe you're so good at this investing thing that you go into positions never having the sufficient amount of caution that can help you check your blind spots. This can lead to poor decisions, of course, as well as lead you to more volatile stocks as you chase performance. There's the optimism bias. When you hold a perpetually underperforming stock that you've fallen in love with and you always believe the turnaround is just around the corner. I see this all the time. Anchoring is kind of funny to me. Uh, you finally decide to pull the trigger on a stock you like after it just keeps going up and you buy it at a high, you pay 50 bucks, and then you are personally attached to 50 bucks. Then when it's 30 bucks, you feel personally attacked uh, by the stock itself. You forget that the stock is just an arbitrary number that is being created every single day by buyers and sellers creating a market price. And that 50 really means nothing. But you get all flustered and end up selling when you break even. And then related to the previous example, loss aversion, you get out of 50 bucks to avoid the loss, but if you took a year to get back to even, you lost a year of your time, so it wasn't really break even. So all of these reasons don't necessarily explain why low volatile stocks have done better over time. Uh, these emotions and biases can obviously be present if you were investing in the lowest volatility stocks, most boring stocks, but I would just argue logically that the magnitude of the emotions would be far lower and it's pretty much proven, and we're not going to get into this too far, but retail investors are attracted to stocks with lottery-like attributes, aka very volatile. So you add up all these, and what you see is glamorous, sensationalist, media-driven stocks get overpriced and then underpriced all the time with rallies that crash and crashes that rally. But still, I'm not sure if this alone is enough to explain the low-vol anomaly. And Bank of Montreal Research agrees with me. They say they'd be much more confident investing in low vol stocks if, quote, we can find additional explanations that go beyond investor psychology. We prefer to see the anomaly anchored in more powerful institutional arrangements where people are motivated by incentives or other powerful forces to make decisions that appear irrational on the surface 
irrational on the surface, but that are more rational when institutional context is considered. So they continue. When financial economists find a significant anomaly that persists over long periods of time, they tend to look for institutional arrangements as a possible source of anomaly. After all, if a large enough group of people has an incentive to behave in a way which appears to be irrational to others but is rational to them because of the incentive, they will do so and push prices around predictably in such a way that other investors can trade profitably against them. And the other investors trading profitably against them in this case, as we'll see, could be the low vol investors. So what do we see here from this institutional perspective? Is there some structural thing going on where money managers are constantly attracted to the more lottery-like stocks? A 2011 hypothesis, which is compelling, may be the answer. And really, it's actually pretty simple. So in money manager world, there's a prevalent compensation schedule for professional money managers, whereby they are paid a base salary plus a bonus for good performance. If they only invested in low volatility, their odds of a big bonus are low. So there's two probability distributions on your screen here. One is the return for a low vol portfolio and one is the return for a high vol portfolio. So as you can see in the low vol portfolio, there's not going to be any real likelihood of having a return that is very significant to earn you the big bonus. So in this report that I'm basing a lot of this off, Bank of Montreal does mention that the absolute amount of money managed in this way is somewhat small. Think hedge funds. BMO does mention that the absolute amount of money managed in this way is somewhat small for an actual explicit performance fee. But they do acknowledge that even managers who do not work for the explicit performance fee also are incentivized because as assets under management increases, revenue increases, and the manager will presumably be rewarded. So the most fascinating thing from this report that suggests why low volatility stocks are perpetually ignored by the pros is is this. Because of the relationship between a stock's return and its alpha and beta, it turns out that in order to outperform a rising market, the minimum alpha required by a high beta stock is actually negative compared to the minimum alpha, always positive, required by a low beta stock. So in other words, managers are incentivized to overweight low-quality stocks that have underperformed, aka that may have negative alpha, which is an alpha is the return above a benchmark return. So it's outperformance. So in other words, a rising market, managers are incentivized to overweight low-quality stocks that have underperformed and underweight stocks that they know they should like from a quality perspective, but don't because in a rising market, the dogs get the big catch-up. And we see this a lot. You especially see this a lot in the beginning of a new cycle. Small cap stocks tend to boom ahead of everyone else. And a lot of times they are considered and can be considered lower quality because they're more economically sensitive. So in a big bull market, the high quality would not have been hurt as bad in the bear market, thus theoretically have less room to go up as opposed to lower quality, perhaps more economically sensitive, like I just mentioned, stocks that have a lot more room to theoretically catch up. So the manager, ultimately powered by greed, I guess you could say, but really you know, wants to make more money for his family, whatever, will still have an institutional-based incentive to go for a return, not necessarily for capital preservation. And this can leave the low-vol stocks behind, undersubscribed, underbought, ignored, doing nothing, but still because we know stocks over the long term do move with business performance, the high quality, they can go up 
nice and slow over time. So what is the point of all of this? Yet, there is this anomaly where low volatility is outperformed over time. Because I guess in reality, no one, that's a human at least, truly loves to win slowly, or at least they haven't learned to love to win slowly. But it does work. It really does. The data is here. Because when you remove the odds of getting emotional, you make better decisions. And with investing, that's usually making, and a lot of times, that means making no decisions. But if low vol is so good at making money, wouldn't that still bring in greedy people trying to make money with low volatility stocks, with low volatility stocks? And I guess, yeah, that would make sense. I would like to think that people would do that because that would be in a pretty efficient market. But truly, but if low vol is so good at making money, won't it get arbitraged away? Won't it disappear? In other words, won't humans get greedy and buy up all the low vol products and, and then overprice them, thus eliminating this anomaly? Once and for all, you mean that's the most logical thing, right? But that's just not how human nature works. We're still constantly going to get drawn to what's in the media. What is the next big thing? What's the big hype stock? What's how am I going to make a hundred percent this year? Unless, as humankind collectively, we can all agree to be truly believing that boring investing is best, then probably not, and not yet at least. Maybe if we really do adapt and just let robots take over. Who knows? Low vol is not, so let's just look at some of the facts. Low vol is not really a crowded trade for one. Yeah, there are a lot more products coming in, but the total money going flowing, but the total money flowing into them is still pretty negligible compared to the continued move to cap-weighted index funds. And that's where a lot of these problems start because the biggest stocks just keep getting bigger because every new dollar into an index fund flows to the biggest proportionally most to the biggest of stocks so and really the question is will humans stop acting irrationally in their investing decisions like i just said and eh, i don't really think so and bmo agrees with me here so they say as long as humans are ruled by fear greed and other emotions and trade on incomplete information they don't think analysts that pick stocks will ever be put out of business and if you can actually get behind the idea that your low vol portfolio may actually make you more money over the long term then you're setting yourself for success Probably even if your low vol portfolio doesn't even do as well as you wanted it to over time, because if you went into the high vol portfolio, who knows what countless decisions you could have made to potentially mess you up. And when the market has had a really bad year, you might not be thinking to yourself, how the hell do I get back to even where a lot of people are after they get crushed? You may actually still be quite excited about the future returns. And the ride can be smoother as well as more bountiful. The ride can potentially be smoother and potentially more bountiful with this low vault anomaly, which really might continue on. And even if it doesn't continue on over the next 50 years, low vault is still a place for consideration in any well-rounded portfolio. So thank you for listening and keep investing smarter. Email us at investsmarterpod at gmail.com with questions to be highlighted on the show. Thanks for listening and keep investing smarter.